your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. Thanks very much, Kate. So thank you. And it's lovely to see everyone this evening and to be able to speak to you live via Zoom. We're getting used to this Zoom thing now, aren't we? It feels quite almost normal. <laughs> um, and the topic tonight um, is Satan's sneaky tricks or his schemes, um, focusing particularly on the fact that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And so just to kick us off, I've asked Enid, if she would share a testimony with us. I don't know if you can make Enid, put Enid in the spotlight. That'd be lovely. Over to you, Enid, to share your testimony. Thank you. So um, I'm not really a speaker, so I've written uh, my testimony down. I hope it encourages you, but I'm going to read it rather than uh, Try and remember it. So I've tried to say how the armour of God was helpful to me in a difficult time. Uh, there are many situations where we feel under spiritual attack and one of these for me was when I found myself with two youngish children, a dog, a cat and an unpaid mortgage and no income. This caused me great anxiety and fear which are often the way Satan attacks us. Uh, prior to this time, I had taken the helmet of salvation at the age of 11. I had read the scriptures diligently and was now able to find scriptures to help me in my time of need. This was of great value because although I knew people were praying for me and often with me, I still had to find God for myself and to be able to encourage myself when no one was with me. As I was doing this, I was using the sword of the spirit. I realized that I should be anxious for nothing, but my feelings didn't always help me. When alone and unable to sleep, I would kneel and pray in the spirit and God gave me amazing prophecies and visions. This helped me to see the situation from his perspective and that gave me faith to shield myself from the bitter accusations which were coming against me. I received many miracles for us all and was determined to give God the glory for each one and to continue to be a testimony to his loving kindness. I continued as a member of Lockley's Christian Fellowship and during the worship there, my anxiety would leave me. I was also part of the Christian Viewpoint team locally and hoped that my feet were shod with the gospel of peace. Um, as I 
uh, as I was uh, part of that team and giving my testimony uh, in, in, in that local place. I truly realized how much I needed God in my life and asked him to help me to live a life of truth which was pleasing to him. I praised him unreservedly for I praise him for unreservedly bringing me through this time with a great sense of his love and how he has triumphantly worked everything together for good in my life. Thank you very much, Enid. And um, the, one of the phrases that stood out from what you've just shared was during worship, my anxiety would leave me. Um, and I know at this particular point in time, uh, a lot of people are struggling with anxiety um, and feeling isolated. So I thought it would be good um, to talk about three, specifically three strategies that the enemy can use to bring us down so that we can be ready for him when he comes. And those three things begin with a C. So the first one is complacency, which is the opposite of complacency being passion. The second one is comparison. And the third one is condemnation. So we're going to look at number one, complacency. Complacency, um, when you look for a definition, it says it's a bit like being very smug, which is quite uh, scary, isn't it? No one wants to be thought of as smug. Um, but it's also like a kind of inertia where we're not really aware. So complacency might be not minding or not being aware that we've spent hours on social media, but less time um, in God's presence. Complacency might be allowing distraction, distractions to take our eyes off Jesus and onto other things. Um, complacency might be a bit like the foolish man who built his house upon the sand. He was very complacent until the storm came and he wasn't ready. And the passage we've read this evening about the armor of God encourages us to be ready for the day of evil, for the day of testing. And the way that we can be ready is by putting on the armor of God and being alert in the spirit to know what are those things that Satan is going to tempt us with. The Bible says it's easy for us to be deceived and be careful not to fall into a trap like Peter who said, no, not I, Lord, I will never deceive you. And Jesus had to gently remind him, before the cock crows three times, you will have denied me three times before the cock crows. So there's always a reminder and a warning in scripture for us to be aware that no one is immune. We all are tempted. And our journey is a lifelong one, isn't it? It's not a sprint to the finish line. It's a marathon. The enemy will try and knock us off course. And we know that his weapons they are discouragement, negativity, sneering, mocking, pride, throwing up our past mistakes. And so with complacency, we need to guard against complacency. Um, in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3, the word of God says, I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So the warning is, is clear do not allow ourselves to be led astray from our pure devotion to Christ, but remain completely focused on, on passion, which is the opposite of complacency. When our passion is for the Lord, when our hearts are consumed with love for him, we desire to be with him. When Paul and I were dating, Paul would come up with these amazing dates and he'd say, be ready after work, bring an evening dress, 
bring a swimming costume. I never knew what was going to happen next because he would plan ahead. It dates to surprise me because he, he wanted to spend time with me. He would plan that and, and still does, hopefully. And so there's a lot of time together under lockdown, isn't there? But when we love Jesus, we want to be with him. We plan to be with him. We set time aside to be with him. And that can guard us against complacency. It's really important, isn't it, to know our weaknesses and to allow others to support us when we feel weak. On Friday, I was with a friend and she said, Mel, I just feel so apathetic and so complacent. And I said, oh, that's funny. She said, yeah, I just feel lockdown has made me feel really complacent because I feel so disconnected from church. And, um, and so we prayed for one another and we put the armor of God on one another. Wasn't allowed to touch her. So I had to do it in prayer. But we said, Lord, we put on the helmet of salvation. We put on the shoes of peace and we can put those on each other when we feel weak or discouraged or alone. And we can reach out through the phone, through face to face contact at a distance. Now we can see one another, which is a great comfort, isn't it? To be able to see one another and pray for one another. Number two. That was number two is comparison. Comparison <clears throat> could be opposed to calling. When we know our calling in Christ, we know that we have a unique purpose and calling in him, which Joseph and Chloe helped us understand more fully on the Living Free course um, last year. It was really, was that this year or last year? Last year, I think. Um, it was really helpful to think about God's original design for us, that when we were born, he created us with a purpose with a design that only we can fulfill. And that makes us feel, wow, there's something special that God has for me. In John 21, verse 21, it's, we're in the middle of Peter's gracious restoration. And suddenly Peter is gripped by comparison with the disciple John. And Peter says, what about him? But Jesus wouldn't have it. In reply, Christ shoots these powerful words across the bow of Peter's insecurity. What is that to you? You must follow me. Even in what should be the best moment of our lives, comparison lurks in the shadows, seeking to exert its influence over us at the expense of others. And I'm quoting from a book I've just started reading called The Burden is Light by John Tyson. And it says this, comparison is the root of most of the misery we feel in life. Comparison makes it impossible to view ourselves from any sort of godly perspective. It's an absolute snare for the soul. Consider what comparison does to our view of others. First, when we compare ourselves with those we perceive to be better than we are, the comparison produces a sense of inferiority and insecurity. Whenever we see these people, they become reminders that we don't have what it takes and we're falling behind. We feel we must toil and strive to keep up. Yet the harder we strive, the more we're caught in this cycle of despair. Comparison erodes our sense of worth and self-esteem and it has a flip side. When we compare ourselves with people we perceive to be inferior to us, we feel we are filled with a sense of superiority. And so pride can creep in. And so comparison, whatever way we look at it, is not good. It's not good for our souls. It's not good for us at all. We need to be aware of it and resist it. 
And a, a brilliant example of this in the Bible is Jacob and Esau, the two brothers whose relationship broke down. They were estranged for 20 years because of initially envy and comparison that was exacerbated by their parents' collusion. So there's several warnings. I, I recommend reading the whole story of Jacob and Esau to track it right through from the point that Jacob envies Esau and it desires his birthright and will do anything to get it. It's a powerful example of where comparing sibling rivalry leads to disastrous consequences. The UK um, retail chain Topshop commissioned a survey of their their um, customers and the results portrayed an alarming picture of an increasingly lonely and lost generation today. Today, did you know that more people live alone than at any other point in our recorded social history? On average, millennials spend six and a half hours a day on social media. That's right, you probably guessed. Many who were interviewed considered work to be something they fitted in between social media and lunch. They found people had a very large number of friends but an increasing sense of loneliness. So what is the answer to loneliness? Relationship with God, intimacy with him, friendship with God, and also the support, the loving support of our Christian community which at this time is more important to us perhaps than it's ever been in our lives. And that the contact that we've been able to have through these Zoom meetings, through phone calls, through um, the church has been extremely important. And I know for me personally, it's been a lifeline. I hope it has for you too. So watch out for that sneaky trick comparison. Number three, Condemnation. Condemnation is one of Satan's most popular tricks or strategies. He is often found, Satan, to be reminding us of our past sins and mistakes that God has forgiven. He throws up things from the past. For example, Mel, remember when you lost your temper the other day? That was bad. Don't you feel bad about that? And in my heart, I'm thinking, yes, I do feel terrible about that. Maybe you feel so bad, you shouldn't really join the Zoom call at church tonight because you're not really going to fit in, are you? I mean, you're a failure. You're hopeless. That's the voice of the enemy, isn't it, speaking to us. It takes a little thought, a sin that we've done, makes us feel shame and regret. And those emotions can take us in a spiral right down low, which can then make us feel isolated and cut off from other Christians. When actually, if we reached out to another Christian and said, I really lost my temper with the children. I'm so sorry I did it. Will you pray with me? I will be more patient. And we may find if we reach out to a friend in the same circumstances that they say, I also do that. I've also made mistakes. I also know how it feels to fail. And so, in Jesus, there is no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation because the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. What an amazing thing. What an amazing truth to know that we are set free. One of the things we need to guard against is unforgiveness. 
Unforgiveness allows a platform for the enemy to land and then a bitter root can spring up in our heart. It might just start with a small seed, but bitterness can take root and very quickly, like bindweed, take over your entire garden, the garden of your heart. For example, you may have heard somebody say, well, they hurt me. I'm the victim here. Why should I forgive them? And yet, even if we are the victim, even if we have been injured or hurt, we still need to forgive freely because the Bible clearly reminds us that if we don't forgive our brothers and sisters, God will not forgive us. The opposite of condemnation is affirmation. And from the, the moment of our conception, God has been speaking words of affirmation over us, words of life, words of truth, words of peace, that from the day of our birth, he has had a plan for us. For I created you in your innermost being. I knit you together in the depths of the earth. Before you were born, I saw your unformed body. Those are the words of the psalmist reminding us, and there are so many other beautiful psalms like that, reminding us that God's plans for us are good and that he loves us. The reason that we are reminded to forgive in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, it says, anyone you forgive, I also forgive, says the Lord. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to give, forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. So tonight we're asking the Lord, open my eyes, show me the schemes of Satan or the tricks of Satan. Last week, Joseph mentioned the sneaky tricks of Satan, which is what made me think, yes, what are they? Comparison. Complacency. Condemnation. So in conclusion, we come to the passage Ephesians, back to the passage in Ephesians 6, which reminds us that the battle that we're fighting isn't against human beings, isn't against our brothers and sisters in Christ. When they offend us, our battle isn't against them. We're on the same side. And it's really important to remember that, isn't it? That we are one body and therefore we protect one another. We cover one another's weaknesses. We don't expose one another's weaknesses. We try to cover them and, say, and have grace and compassion when we see one another are weak or struggling. And so when we put each part of the armor of God on, we put it on with prayer. And each part has its place. The shoes of peace, the gospel of peace. So it's the message of good news that wherever we walk, we carry that peace with us. In the, in the shoes of peace. We put the belt of truth around our waist, right around our middle, kind of girding ourselves up with the knowledge of the truth of who we are in Christ, that we are a new creation, that the old has gone and the new has come. And we place on our heads the helmet of salvation, which is the word of, word of truth in our lives, that God has saved us from sin. When the enemy comes at us with condemnation and reminds us of our past, we can remind him of his future, that he is, his destiny is to come under judgment by God himself. That, that that is the truth. When we put on the helmet of salvation, we're reminding ourselves of that truth. And taking up the shield of faith, which extinguishes the fiery darts of the enemy. And finally, we pick up the sword of the spirit, which Pete Gregg very vividly portrayed by bringing out a great big sword, which was quite scary. It was a, it's the only part of the armor that is 
offensive that we can attack with. And what is the word of what is the sword? It's the word of God. And if we have the word of God in our hands, I'm going to grab my Bible. <clears throat> if we have the word of God in our the word of God in our hands, it is quite powerful. I, I made the decision this week, instead of looking at the Bible on here, I decided to look at the Bible on here, <clears throat> on paper. And I took it outside to the common near our house. I opened it. And do you know, I had probably one of the best quiet times I've had since lockdown. You know why? Because I wasn't distracted by my phone. Um, John Mark Comer recently warned that distraction is one of the biggest enemies that we face in today's society. Distraction. And so sometimes going old school, back to the actual written word of God, where you can find notes and you can actually just focus on this one thing is something which I'm going to hold on to that I've learned this week to actually go back to the Bible. So my encouragement to you this evening, be alert, ask God to give you a gift of discernment. Um, we're going to go into breakout groups. And as we do, we're going to be thinking about, first of all, what stood out from you to you from the talk tonight. And secondly, what, um, when Satan tricks you, what strategies do you use to overcome him? It would be great to share with one another and encourage one another in how, as Enid has done, in how we can overcome the strategies or the tricks of the enemy. Okay, let's go into our breakout groups now. Before we do that, can I just pray? Heavenly Father, I ask that you will come now by your Holy Spirit, sharpen our discernment, sharpen our knowledge, help us, God, to know the attacks of the enemy. Help us to be aware of complacency, comparison, condemnation. Help us to have eyes to see what your Holy Spirit is saying to us, that we will not fall into these traps. And help us, Lord, whenever the enemy comes, in whatever way to tempt us, help us to stand firm with the armor of God protecting us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have not left us alone, but given us your Holy Spirit in order that we can accomplish this. For the glory of your name. Amen.